The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do the winter chills and blues have you down? Well, we're here to put a smile on your face, talking about things that make us happy. We're back in the new year with Richard Sims, who's here to talk about the happiest place on earth. Here's a hint, it's not where you think that it is. Plus, we're talking about Disney World and the world of soaps. That's coming up today, January 9th, 2015, on Curl Call. everybody, welcome to the very first new kind of sort of episode of Kroll Call for 2015. This is really the second show, but if you tuned in last week, and there's really no reason that you shouldn't have, it was part two of our 2014 year in review with someone who you're going to be hearing in just a few moments. But because it's the start of a new year, you know, a lot of people are excited about the possibilities and the opportunities and things that are coming ahead. But there is also a segment of the population who is gloomy and doomy because it's cold, there's snow, and with all apologies to Regis Philbin, the flu is out of control. So, and as a matter of fact, it makes me think that there is a advertisement in the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I also read online that it was elsewhere in New York, but it said something along the lines of 900,000 people have the flu in Philadelphia. Well, we only have about 1.2 million people here, so that's got to be some sort of epidemic of biblical proportions. It's kind of scary. Of course, I suspect that this is just an attempt to sell tissues. It's probably a cumulative thing over the past 10 years that 900,000 people have had it. Either way, doesn't matter. Just throwing this out there because these are things that I see and, you know, I feel that I should share them. Many of you out there probably are under the weather and don't feel well, so think of today's show as virtual Robitussin. But if you're going to listen to the show more than five times, you're probably going to have to show some form of ID. But if you aren't feeling sick or under the weather, doesn't matter. You can still listen to today's show because the folks who were supposed to be here today are sadly under the weather. It's sort of ironic that that happened. So I thought, if everybody isn't feeling well and if there's cold and there's snow, why not do a show that's a feel-good, happy show? And I honestly couldn't think of anyone who makes me happier than someone who is a regular contributor here on the show to the world of internetdom with his 7,000 different accounts. He is the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. He is the author of Homesick and of Crimes Against Civility. He's a part-time movie star. He is a television critic for Kroll Call. He is just an all-around kind of happy guy. Well, we'll let him clear that up. But he is Richard Sims. Richard, welcome back to Kroll Call and happy flu year, I suppose. Yeah, that was a little scary. Jeez, and you know, it doesn't—it doesn't make me feel particularly better that I am going to be leaving tomorrow morning to go to 
the place where there are probably more germs spread than almost anywhere else in the United States. So yay me! The Kardashian house? <laughs> oh, I said I said germs, not as <laughs> zing. Uh, I'm. Purelling myself as you uh, as you mentioned that and since folks are going to be probably uh, traveling and, and doing all sorts of other things as the winter goes along and uh, you know I know that you are an expert about well probably many things but one thing in particular that I thought would definitely make people happy it is the happiest place on earth but before all those of you out there think that you know exactly what I'm talking about uh you're wrong, because Richard Sims, the happiest place on Earth is supposedly Paraguay. Disneyland. It well, is, no, actually, the happiest place on Earth is Disneyland. It's the Magic Kingdom in Disneyland. It is Paraguay. Paraguay? Is, Why Paraguay? That, I did it. They did, you know, they do those things like the fittest cities and all the blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they did research. The happiest place on Earth is Paraguay. But why? I need to know why the people there are so happy. I mean, is it that they're all stoned? Because they're... They've got Gway Pride? I don't know. They're Paraguay. I don't actually know where Paraguay even is. It's in South America. It's next to... You are a gay. Uh, it's next to... <laughs> <laughs> it's down there. You know, it's... Uh, but this is any, this is what they said. You know, I, I Googled it because I'm looking for stuff. We are going to be talking about Disney World, folks. But uh, it was funny that I typed in happiest place on Earth to see if that was Disneyland or Disney World. And the first thing that came up was Paraguay. And it went on to this whole nonsensical thing. So, uh, Well, I'm going to tell you right up front, I know nothing about Paraguay. So I hope that's not <laughs> the topic we're discussing this evening. <laughs> Well, I guess we need to take a quick break and regroup. No, we are actually <laughs> going to be talking about Disney World. And as you mentioned, you are going there for the second, well, technically not the second time this year, but in the course of 12 months or a couple of months, it'll be your second time. But Richard, I have not been to Disney World since 1985. So unless I'm mistaken, the last time you were at Disney World, it literally consisted of the Magic Kingdom. I don't think any of the other parks had opened at that point. Well, I will tell folks, for folks who are frequent Disney Worlders, they were just building the under-the-sea thing where I guess it was a restaurant that's under a fish tank or I don't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> Epcot was there. There was no Disney Animal Kingdom, Wild Kingdom, Jack Hanna Palace. There was none of that. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is going on, but a uh, figment of the imagination, a little purple dragon was there. But more than anything else, I'm curious, Richard, is there anything that you haven't done since 1985? There actually are. I try on, um, this is my second time going, um, we were there just like four weeks ago, and uh, that was sort of a trip with a big group, and this is a trip with just my parents, so it's kind of a completely different type of trip. But I, I actually try and seek out something that I've never done on each trip. Um, you know, whether it's a restaurant that I've never been to, there are actually attractions that I have never been on, believe it or not. Um, and so I always seek out something that I have not done and and make, a prior, make it a priority during that particular trip. We will not be talking about Disneyland, although I was to Disneyland more recently. I went out to back this takes us back and, and it'll also relate into a segment coming up later in the show back when all my children moved to los angeles they had a big 
party to celebrate the new studio. And I went out there to Los Angeles from Philadelphia to attend and hang out. And I got stuck there because there was a major snowstorm back here in Philadelphia. And I thought, well, gee, I've got an extra day now to kill and figure out something to do. So I went to Disneyland. And the only thing that, the only thing good, Richard, that came out of that was that I videotaped the It's a Small World ride, all 7,000 minutes of it. And it's sort of a Mystery Science Theater 3000 edition of me going through this ride, commenting on all of the many. It's a small world after all. You know you need to post that on the site, right? (laughs) That is so not... It will never (laughs) see the light of day. I think the Disney people would track me down, beat me, and and, uh, make me into an animated creature in the It's a Small World ride. So it's not going to happen. But... Focusing on Disney World, as I said, I haven't been there. You're going. You're the expert. I'm thinking of going sometime in 2015. We'll stay tuned for that. But let's talk about the fact that people who are going and maybe have been there often or people who haven't been there in a while or, or have never been, there are all sorts of different parks, as you said. We know about the Magic Kingdom. I think most people know about Epcot. Um, there's the new thing, as I was as mentioning, there's the uh, Animal Kingdom type thing. What are the different parks, Richard? And tell us a little bit about each of them so that folks who are planning or thinking about going might know which ones they want to hit up. Well, there's four main parks. And the first thing I would say is to anybody um, who's planning a trip, whether it's your first trip or it's, uh, you know, you haven't been back in a while, is don't make the mistake of thinking, well, I'm just going to show up. You know, um, you you don't want to just get on a plane, go there, and try and... Disney is a vacation that is expensive, and it really, you know, you want to take the time and, and do some planning. Now, for people like me, planning is half the fun. So, like, as soon as you mention, oh, I'm thinking about going to Disney in 2013, you know, my first thought is, okay, let me help you plan your trip, because I <laughs> love doing very that. Very true. But there are, there are four parks. There's the Magic Kingdom, which is the one everybody thinks of. That's, um, that's you know, Fantasyland, and it's got Castle and, and, and Space Mountain, and that's the one everyone thinks of when they think of a Disney park. Uh, the next park to open was Epcot, which um, stands for the Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. And it actually more closely sort of gives you a vision of what Walt's original vision was. It, it's a little more educational. Um, it's, it's the, the kids never want to go to Epcot. In fact, that's one of the reasons that they are in a frozen exhibit in Epcot is to sort of make it a little more kid-friendly. There's a lot of controversy about that, but that's one of the things they're doing. So Epcot uh, is, is sort of divided into two parks. There's the front of the park, which is really devoted to um, uh, sort of thoughts and science and smart stuff. And then there's the back part, part of the park, which is called the World Showcase, and it consists of... Um, a bunch, I think there's nine or ten different pavilions, each representing a different country. And the countries are usually, um, they, they actually have people from those countries who work in them. Um, and one of the things it's really known for, Epcot is really known as the place to go if you want to sort of get your drink on. People try and oh. drink their way around the World Showcase by having a drink in each of, each of the various um, countries has specialty cocktails and they have specialty drinks. There's a whole pub in the, in the English section. And so, you know, around around 8, 8.30 at night, Epcot sort of turns into a bunch of drunk adults wandering around <laughs> trying to make their way around the rest of the world showcase. The uh, the next park is 
Disney Hollywood Studios, which has had several names over the years. It was Disney MGM Studios, um, and it's basically devoted to movies. It's At least that's the theme. One of the problems that Disney is having a little bit right now is that sort of some of the themes are melding. Like, you would think that the Frozen exhibit should go in Disney Hollywood Studios, right. not over in Epcot. Same thing happens in, in uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. That's where they have the rock and roller coaster, which really has nothing to do with movies. It's basically um, an Aerosmith ride. You're you're on a ride uh, uh, set to Aerosmith music, and you're oh. racing to get to a stadium. It's really fun. It's an indoor uh, coaster that's upside down, the whole thing. It's one of the wildest rides at Disney. Uh, it's also home of the Tower of Terror, which is mm-hmm. um, a little bit tied. It's not tied to movies, but it's tied to television because it's all based around the Twilight Zone. So that's that's sort of um, the the Disney Hollywood Studios, which is undergoing a major revamp right now. And then the last park, the most recent park to open, is the Animal Kingdom, which is, you know, it, the easiest way to describe it is as a zoo, but it's so much more than a zoo. Um, it's, it's a park animal reserve. They do a lot of great um, work with animals. There's actually a part of the park that you can take a train back to and um, learn a lot about animal husbandry, and they even have um, the surgeries. If, you know, the animals are injured, that's where they take them to, and you can, you can actually observe some of the, the, the things they do medically. Really? Um, but it's, yeah, but it's way more than that, too. There's a whole section that's like a dinosaur playland. Um, so there's also, now that's the four main parks. There's also, beyond that, there's Downtown Disney, which is another section that's getting a really big revamp right now. It's, it's reopening as uh, Disney Springs, and that's sort of a, a shopping and restaurant area. And then there are two water parks, Blizzard Beach and uh, Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon, which are amazingly themed, and they both have their own themes. One is themed as if it's a ski resort, and the other is themed sort of more um, as if a tropical storm has created this water park. So there's, I mean, there's a lot. That's right there. You've got four parks plus two water parks. So like I said, this isn't a place where you want to just like get on a plane and say, okay, let's go to Disney for a couple of days. You really want to have a plan of attack when you, when you go. So what would be some of the things that would be on that plan of attack, things that people should consider? Obviously, you know, if water parks aren't your thing, you're not going to go to Blizzard Beach or Typhoon Lagoon. You can take those off, or depending upon the time of year. But what are some of the things that year-round that most people would want to sort of consider to help plan their Disney trip a little bit better? It really, the thing you really want to do is familiarize yourself or almost every family has somebody who is like me. Every family, somewhere in your extended family tree, if you, if you shake your extended family tree hard enough, a Disney nut is going to fall out. (laughs) And, and you really want someone like that because they can walk you through, you know, they can say, well, okay, this is like, for example, this trip that I've got coming up is with my parents and they don't quite move around as much as, as well as they used to. So we're, this is going to be a completely different kind of trip than the one I was on four weeks ago where we had kids with us and they wanted to like, you know, run around and see all the rides. So while there are things that I think are sort of must-see for pretty much everybody, it, it also is really smart to cater your trip or have someone help you cater your trip 
to your own sort of tastes and desire and needs. You know, not everybody is going to want to go and ride all the mountains. You know, there's 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 Space Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain and and Everest and and they're all roller coaster things. And you know, not everybody's going to want to do that. Others. One of, uh, there are people who actually go to Disney World during the uh, Food and Wine Festival, which goes on for uh, like eight, nine weeks, something like that. And they go specifically because they want to go and they want to eat in good restaurants and they want to try different foods. Uh, and, and so their whole reason is not necessarily to go on rides. It's to go to restaurants. Um, so really, it's hard to tell someone, here's a must-do, unless you know what they're priorities are, you know, as whether it's a family or an individual. I think maybe this will be one of those things that we do a crawl call follow-up and we have you come back. Well, of course, you'll be back. But when you come back, we'll talk about your trip and we'll do some more information, maybe some of the new things. We can perhaps follow my progress of all the things that I'm planning and where we're going. I think that that might be a better way. But it is interesting, though, because one of our listeners, Karen, had a question that I think is probably one that a lot of people are thinking. It's something that I've heard from a lot of people. But her question was, are there any websites or resources for adults who are traveling without kids? And I've heard from several people who said that they actually enjoyed going to Disney World more without kids tagging along when they were adults than they did when they had kids. So let's talk a little bit about that. Where are some of the places to go? Or I guess, first of all, is that common? Are there a lot of people who go to Disney without kids? Oh, gosh, yeah. Tons. Um, and, and it is a completely different experience, you know, because I always advise people when they're going with kids, especially young kids, let the child dictate the trip. Um, for example, if you're in Epcot and you're wandering around, Epcot has, and several of the parks have them, these fountains that are built into the ground. And, and on a hot day, kids love playing in the fountains and they're encouraged to. They're fountains that the kids are encouraged to play in. And, you know, I always say, if the kid wants to play in the fountain for three hours, blow off anything else you've got planned, because as soon as you try and take them away, that kid is going to start crying. And once you get, you know, and that will just ruin your whole day. And and theoretically, you are spending all this money to take your child to Disney because they want to go. So, you, you know, you should, like, cater the trip as much as you can. I'm not one, I am not one who thinks you should cater to your children as, on a, as a general rule. But I think if you're planning a vacation around children and it's a trip to a place for children, you know, sort of let them take the lead. Follow what they want to do. Everyone will wind up happier in the end. But um, many, 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 many people, there are, there are tons, including myself, of people who love taking trips as adults because it's a different pace. It's, you know, kind of you get to do your own thing. There are, there are obviously a lot of um, different resources. The Internet is filled with them. But probably my favorite um, is there is there's a series of books called The Unofficial Guide to Walt Disney World. And they make different ones. They make The Unofficial Guide to Walt Disney World with kids. And then they have one called The Unofficial Guide to Walt Disney World for Grownups. It's by Eve Zibart, Z-I-B-A-R-T. And, and it's great. One of the things that's really cool about The Unofficial Guide is because they are unofficial, they are not affiliated with Walt Disney World. And that means, if, in essence, if something sucks, they'll say it. Whereas a lot of the more official guides, you know, like, like Burn Bombs, for example, is, a, is, sort of, you know, a, is sort of affiliated with Disney. And so 
they're, they're a little more, they put a positive spin on everything. Whereas the unofficial guides, if they don't like something, they'll come out and say, yeah, you know, just avoid this. This really isn't worth your time. That's probably, um, you know, it, 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 it's a great book. I highly recommend it. It's easily available on Amazon. We'll also, we just posted something on the site um, on callcall.com. We just posted something that's a little different. It's, it's um, 10 ideas for adults who maybe you're on a trip with the kids, but you've got away for a couple hours. And it's 10 ideas of different things that you can do. Um, you know, whether it's taking a massage, there's great spas at Walt Disney World, or some of the higher-end restaurants that you might not necessarily want to go to with kids, things like that. And you can ditch the kids at Disney World. You don't have to feel guilty about it because they do have, um, a lot of the resorts have daycare services, and they also have um, sort of like a babysitter service. You can call and be like, you know, listen, we want to go out for a nice dinner. Can you send somebody over? And they'll send somebody over. You know, it costs, of course, but they'll send somebody over to, to watch the kids for a couple hours so you can get away. We are chatting with Richard Sims. He is, at least for this segment, our Disney World expert. This is a show that we're hoping will make all of you happy. Think of happy things. And we are going to be talking in the next segment about something that has brought Richard and me pleasure and happiness for many years, soaps. But before then, something else that makes a lot of people happy, me included, is music. And there's another thing that makes a lot of people uh, happy. It's the thought of making lots and lots of money. When those two get together, we get Richard's favorite feel-good, happy song, which is, Richard? Opportunities by the Pet Shop Boys. It's, it's kind of a weirdly cynical song. You know, it's, and it's just, it's got a great beat. It's fun to sing along to. The whole thing is just, it's, it's just a really catchy tune, and it's back from the days of, the early days of the Pet Shop Boys, um, or the earlier days, I should say, when, you know, they were just making pure, amazing pop, and it's, it's a great song. We're going to take a quick break, but as we go to the break, we're going to take a listen to Opportunities. Let's make lots of money from the Pet Shop Boys off their 1986 album. Please stay tuned. Crow Call will be right back, and we are going to be talking about what else? The soaps. Hey Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with other Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Welcome back, everybody, to Kroll Call. We are still chatting with Richard Sims on our happy show. 
you know, cold, winter, snow, flu, all that other stuff that has nothing to do with Richard necessarily, but he is our cure-all. Richard, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here, as always. We talked about Disney World and sort of, you know, on a tangent, Paraguay and Disneyland in the last segment. But in this segment, we're going to be talking about something that has, I guess, timely enough, I have been talking about for 20 years. That seems like an eternity. But Richard, it's the soaps, and they make us both happy. They pay our bills. So I figure... Let's let's do a whole segment. I know there are a lot of people, millions of other people out there who soaps bring them pleasure. I figure it's a great way to start off the new year talking about some soaps. Well, not only that, but, you know, soaps have had the added benefit of bringing us together. If it weren't for soaps, we wouldn't have met. That is true, unless, of course, we uh, cross paths in a dingy casino somewhere over <laughs> a mermaid slot machine, which is, quite honestly, also equally appealing. Yes, I, I would agree. 20 years I've been doing this, Richard. Where does the time go? Where? And you don't look a day over 60. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, uh, I've been selling my soul. Uh, see, this is the truth. The, the secrets come out on Crawl Call. In order to maintain my youth, I have sold the soaps to the devil. So, <laughs> for those of you out there, yes, I'm the reason that Guiding Light is no longer on the air. Send me letters. Uh, but ironically, Oh, my God. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I say that as a joke because... But you know what? I Because this is a happy show, I'm going to take that and turn it around. Oh, we I was going to... We went to a really dark period with soaps, you know, where we were losing them left and right and stuff. But um, earlier this week, I guess it was... Uh, let's see. It must have been today's Friday. It must have been Wednesday. I was watching... The Young and the Restless, and The Bold and the Beautiful. And I sat there for an hour and a half thinking, these shows are in, in great shape. Mm -hmm. You know, they, the stories were firing, the performances were fantastic, the scripts were great. And it just, it, it, it just reminded me that this is such an incredible genre. It's unlike anything else out there. And, and I'm just so happy that, you know, yeah, we've been through some dark times and, you know, we've lost some shows, but, but you can still turn on your television and get some really incredible stuff, and that makes me very happy. Normally we go alphabetically, but I thought, you know what, let's screw with the formula and let's go chronologically. Let's talk about the shows as they, in most places, air on the dial. We'll start off with The Young and the Restless. I agree with you. Uh, you know, there was a point, outside of the fact that soaps were being canceled, unfortunately, left and right, there was a period where The Young and the Restless, though it's been number one for 26 years without a break, there was a point where it was not necessarily the number one show in terms of quality. However, it seems to have made a, a huge turnaround of late, and it's really going back to, I think, the solid soap, the number one soap that it has been. Well, what's interesting to me is there have been several periods over the last, say, four or five years where the show has, you know, been in not-so-great shape and then it bounces back and then not-so-great shape. If you had told me six weeks ago that I would be raving about The Young and the Restless, I would have called you a dirty, dirty liar. I would have suggested that your pants were on fire and you know, the, whole, the whole nine yards. And, and weirdly... The one story I loved on The Young and the Restless six weeks ago is the one story I don't like now, and everything else, including stories I thought I was going to hate, I absolutely love. That's the kind of weird reversal of fortune that YNR has gone through in the last six weeks. 
And it's also interesting because I think one of the other things that, uh, it's probably more than six weeks ago or so, but one of the things that a lot of people responded to in a negative way was the announcement that Chuck Pratt was going to be joining the show as head writer. And, uh, you know, we're not entirely sure what's going on and who's writing what and where everything's going in terms of, of creative control. But it would seem at, at first glance that perhaps he's helping to get some things into order and, and focusing on the things that work. I will admit, I'm very surprised by that. Completely agree. And I, I mean, his name has not yet started showing up in the credits. We were told that it would be sometime in January, but his name has not yet started showing up. But I would be really surprised if, if we are not already starting to see his influence. You know, that maybe it's not completely him taking over at this point yet, but that he's influencing and guiding uh, the, uh, the current head writers or the people who were head writing at the time because there are just things happening that feel like a new person coming in. You know, there's a, there's a cohesiveness. There's a there's storylines feel like they have momentum even though they didn't just a while ago. Um, it just, yeah, I really, I really believe, and I'm, I hope that's true because there is, there would be nothing to make you or I or really any other member of the uh, soap media happier than if Chuck Pratt came in and proved us all wrong. Because, you know, let's face mm -hmm. it, there was a lot of teeth gnashing and wailing and, you know, curses being uttered when we found out that, that Chuck Pratt was the person they hired. But, you know, he also, it's easy to remember that he, you know, his, his kind of debacle of all my children, mm. where he basically walked in and said, told the cast, you know, just so you know, your, your characters are going to start doing things that they wouldn't normally do, which of course is the exact opposite of what a soap opera should be. So, so we have a lot of concern, but it would be great if he came in and reminded us that he's also done some really, really good writing on other shows, specifically in primetime, things like Twisted and Pretty Little Liars and stuff like that. You know, I'm also a firm believer in the fact that sometimes you can be the best at what you are. It's not to say that he is or isn't, just as a hypothetical example. You can be the best at what you are, and sometimes things just don't line up. It's just, you know, the planets aren't in the right order. You know, maybe you just don't have the right uh, characters or the right supporting people or whatever it is. Sometimes, you know, the best at what you are, you just can't make it work. So as much as... It pains me what was done to all my children, which is, of course, a soap that got me into doing all of the stuff that I'm doing today. I'm willing to admit that, you know, maybe that just, maybe he just wasn't feeling it. Maybe it just, you know, wasn't in the cards for him to work out at All My Children. And perhaps, you know, the, the All My, or the Young and the Restless, a totally different place in time. Maybe this will be a, a totally different strike, lightning strike for him. There's also the fact that not every show is a good fit for every writer. And we don't know, let's remember, this was, you know, at the time that he was um, involved with All My Children, this was a time when there was a lot of problems at the top of the food chain there, you know, mm -hmm. Brian Bonds, and we don't know how much network interference was going on there. Right. So, you know, I once had a writer who, um, they did not work for All My Children, but they did work for an ABC show, and they told me, that they, on more than one occasion, would go in with their story pitch, and they'd have these, these you know, fantastic long-term story pitches, and, and someone higher up the chain would say, okay, great, now let's put a tornado here. You know, like, just, just, just 
so we don't know what kind of what what the behind the scenes story was going on at the time. So I mean, I mean, I think you and I are both saying the same thing. We're going to cross our fingers and hope that you know that this is that what we're seeing on screen right now is a sign of what's to come. Because if it is, I'm really thrilled. I'd like to juxtapose that with something over on the other CBS soap, The Bold and the Beautiful, where The Young and the Restless has had some writing changes. You know, The Bold and the Beautiful has for a long time been helmed both uh, from the executive producer and from writing aspects by Brad Bell. And I'm curious for you, you know, uh, talking about me doing this for 20 years and, you know, there have been periods of time where I just needed to recharge. I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm doing the same thing every day. And there's been periods where I don't necessarily know that I've put forth my best work. However, you know, I never thought of stopping doing it. I'm wondering from your opinion on a, on a writer's standpoint, do you think that The Bold and the Beautiful is helped by the fact that there's that consistency? Or do you think that at times it's sort of hampered by the fact that it is the same person and they are there every single day and maybe they do need to take that creative recharge and take a break? I actually think it's both. I think you get a great consistency in tone and voice when there's one person in charge. For example, um, you know, the only other writer that I can think of who was in charge of a show for a long period of time like this was when Henry Slessor, Slessor was writing The Edge of Night, and he wrote it for like, you know, 15, 20 years. And, and during that time, it had a very consistent tone. It had a very consistent style. Um, and I think The Bold and the Beautiful is different than any other show on the dial. I mean, all of the soaps are different. Um, Mm -hmm. People like to clump them all together as if they're all the same, but they're different. But I do think that every now and then I wonder if it would help to have sort of another strong voice. For example, one of the things that The Bold and the Beautiful has always done and that honestly drives me a little bit nuts, and anybody who knows me knows The Bold and the Beautiful is probably my favorite soap and has been for the last couple of years. But one thing they do, and they've been doing it all this week, that drives me a little nuts, is they don't play... When they're in the middle of a big story, like the Rick Caroline blow-up this week, they don't play a B story that's something different. They play the same story. They'll have other characters like Pam and Charlie stand around and recapping what's mm-hmm. going on. And that drives me nuts. I want a cutaway story. Because, first of all, it's entertaining. It's, it's, it's just good solid drama to have two stories going on at the same time but it's also if if i'm a viewer and i don't like this story you're not giving me anything else you know you're not giving me something to cut away to uh you know it it also might be good to have somebody who says you know let's face it a lot of the audience got really annoyed by the hope logan show i didn't because i happen to like hope liam wyatt that whole story but i could see how if you liked other things on the show there was a period there where there wasn't much else for you. So, you know, there are things that I would like to see the show different and that might be different if they had not necessarily, you know, someone else take over, but but sort of someone else advising, I guess, maybe. But then again, Bradley Bell knows what he's doing. He doesn't need me telling him what to do. He doesn't really need anybody telling him what to do. I mean, his show is... Is, is syndicated around the world. Um, it's going to outlive all of us because even if, <laughs> even if CBS canceled it tomorrow, the show would stay in production because it makes so much money in other countries. So, so who am I to even think that I have 
an opinion about this. You know what I mean? And it's interesting that it's really the only soap that does that and does that well, and I'm not really entirely sure why. Yes, there are other soaps that are, are airing around the world, U.S. soaps that are airing around the world, and there are other soaps in the past that have. I know that you know, As the World Turns is still very popular in, in the Netherlands, big audience for them. Uh, you know, the people who go to SoapCentral.com, I, I see the only countries, <laughs> the only countries that people haven't gone to are Western Sahara in Africa and North Korea, although I'm working on that. Uh, but those are the only two countries that have not had people from their uh, borders visit SoapCentral.com in 2014. I'm just wondering why more of the soaps haven't made that effort. And certainly if they I actually would've. know the answer to that question. Oh, well, here we, I go. Actually, here we go. I actually talked to, uh, I believe it was Brad Bell, about this. Um, what happened was, when The Bold and the Beautiful launched in 1987, it was, it was at this weird, weird time in the television growth industry. Other countries were expanding their programming, and they needed things. They needed programming. And they looked to the United States for programming, and here came this show that not only was a half hour, so it was easily packaged, not only was it, it, it new at the time, but it cashed in on the thing that all those other countries were sort of looking for. It was about the American dream, or at least what other countries perceive as the American dream. It was about rich people living in California. And so it just tapped into this this thing that all these other countries were like, oh, there's this great new show coming on, and we and it's about it, it, it's it's about you know rich Americans and blondes and 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 that's really how it happened. And the reason it doesn't happen now is that most other countries have developed their own programming now. The pro that you know the, the the means to do that is is in existence now. So Santa Barbara did it fairly well. They had a pretty good audience for it, but now. The, the, the foreign markets really don't need the kind of programming that we can provide for them. So that ship has sailed. I mean, the, the other three yeah, soaps. Basically. Wow, that's it's actually kind of sad. Uh, you know, it was an opportunity, I suppose, many, many, many years ago. And, you know, it also, shows, it also shows, and I think this is true of a lot of things that go on at The Bold and the Beautiful, they are brilliant, not only at storytelling, um, they're really good at creating a family environment there. They, you know, they're, they're, they really... You know how you always hear cast say they love each other? That cast really does. I don't think that they allow, I don't think the higher-ups allow sort of troublemakers to come in. Um, but the, the other thing they're amazing at over there is they are smart business people. You know, you've got, you've got a cast member going on vacation. Hey, we're going to go with you. We're going to film, you know, we're going to film mm -hmm. stuff in, in Dubai because you happen to be going to Dubai, to Dubai for some other reason. It's, they're really incredibly brilliant people over there. I, I have so much respect for them. I think also, and I, I'm not necessarily disclosing any industry secrets on this and didn't sign a non-disclosure, so I'm sure they won't mind. But I think the other thing that's interesting at The Bold and the Beautiful, at least, is that you mentioned they're smart business people. I think also what Brad Bell doesn't know, he's not afraid to go after and pursue. And I say that because a, a while ago... The Bold and the Beautiful had reached out to me to ask me about you know, the whole online advertising and uh, what would be the process, and you know if they were going to do that, and you know what do what do websites go after? It's like a whole lot of 
information, and, you know, without going into a whole bunch of details, but there was a curiosity. They wanted to know about it. Uh, it was put together, you know, and passed back to, to Brad Bell. And I was, first, I was extremely flattered that they thought to ask me. I guess it's because I've been around since the dawn of time. But, you know, I, I like the fact that people will ask if they don't know something. I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. There are some times where I think on, on soaps, and I'm sure fans will agree with this, that they feel as if the executives asked the fans what they wanted, that it would be something that's maybe completely contrary to what's being shown on the, the show itself. And of course, there's a school of thought that you don't... Here's hear- my wife, Jennifer. Achoo! Here's my wife, Jennifer. Achoo! <laughs> well, they, fi- they have got the message on Days of Our Lives. The only bad thing is they've already taped 17 years worth of episodes, so <laughs> they cannot go back and change it. We are going to get to Days now because that's kind of next chronological logically on the dial 50 years they are i mean that's to shut me up they said you know what you and your 20 freaking internet years guess what sparky (laughs) we've been around for 50 so days will be celebrating its 50th anniversary this year and uh you know they had a really stellar year in 2013 2014 cooled down a little bit and 2015 you know fans are hoping that because of the anniversary that they get it together and they they get the spark going and that we have an amazing year and you know we can start looking forward to 60 70 80 90 years of of days i think days is in the transitional period right now um i think the loss of ali sweeney Uh and uh and and uh uh davidson james scott you know they suffered a lot of big losses and despite the fact that you know these really weren't surprising losses i think they hit a little bit of a rough patch. I know I hear from a lot of fans right now that the word that I hear used most often, and really this is probably not a word you want to hear, is I hear a lot of people saying they're bored. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I get it. I mean, I do think there's good things going on. I love the Will, Paul, Sonny triangle. I think that's really interesting and unique and it's different. I, I fear, you know, I fear they're making the same mistake with, with Paige and JJ that they made with Jennifer and Daniel, that they're overestimating people's interest in them and, and that they're going to become Jennifer 2.0. And I really, you know, hope they can figure out a way to avoid that. They have all the pieces in place. They have great dialogue writers. They have fantastic, uh, 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 actors and they have one of the most loyal fan bases on the planet and certainly one of the most vocal. So, you know, there just needs to be some tweaks. But, you know, and one of the problems is, as you said, that when you film so far in advance, it's hard to sort of stop problems. If you're, if you're five, six months ahead and what is airing fans aren't happy with, well, they're going to be stuck with that for the next five or six months. So hopefully, you know, the things that are coming down the pike uh, that have been filmed for quite some time will, will, you know, give people back the sense that their show is back. All shows go through this. All shows go through periods where the audience is like, eh, you know, I'm not that into it right now. Um, But hopefully they'll bounce back from it. Do you, quickly before we move on to GH, do you foresee anyone maybe either at NBC or at Sony or elsewhere getting involved and saying, hey, you need to cut back on your, your production time. You need to get it back to a more manageable two months so that this doesn't happen again. That's a really great question, and I really don't know the answer. Um, I, 
I I could certainly see it because I do think it's a I do think it's a problem. I've I've thought that for a long time. When they first got that far ahead, I I praised them because I said clearly the writers had, um, you know, to be able to write that far, you have to believe in what you're writing it because you're not getting any feedback on it. You know, you're you're basically functioning in a vacuum. So you have to be really you're writing your what you believe is going to work. You're right. You're convicted. You you have convictions. Um, and, and I, I wonder if when the audience, you know, when, when you lose that conviction and the audience isn't taking the ride with you anymore, does someone step in and say, okay, you know what, let's let things catch up a little bit, see what the audience thinks of what air is closer and, and, you know, then start writing again. I don't know. I really don't. Port Charles, you'll remember, did this too, because Port Charles, um, Mm -hmm. at a certain point, they started filming two episodes a day. And then they would, and they would film for like like two months, and then take two months off. Uh, and we see where they so, got them. Well, you know that that, that show. <laughs> that, you know what that show's problem was? It was on at twelve thirty. No show has ever succeeded at, at the twelve thirty time slot opposite The Young and the Restless. I mean, look at the history: Loving, The City, Ryan's Hope. Uh, 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 you know, there's just the the, the 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 landscape is littered with shows that went up in that time slot. That's true, but we are talking about happy things, and we have to take a break. We're going to be coming back to talk about General Hospital in a moment, but it's time for my happy song. How can you not feel happy when you hear Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves? We're going to take a listen to that. We'll be back with more of Richard Sims, more of me, more of our happy soap talk in just a moment. Stay tuned, because Crow Call will be right back. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our happy show. We are entertained this hour by Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. He is here. We're talking about the soaps in this part of the show. We talked about the bold and the beautiful days and the young and the restless in the last segment. That leaves us with sadly just one soap, but there's plenty of things to talk about at General Hospital. Richard, first of all, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your commercial break. I did. I did. I got a lot done during it. Good. We took a a little break there. We heard some happy songs. It is time to talk about General Hospital. You know, uh, we mentioned Days is celebrating 50. GH celebrated 50 a couple of years ago. There's a lot of stuff going on at GH. And without giving away any trade secrets, you know, you and I are both hearing that there are some potentially big changes coming up so let's talking uh talk about a little bit about some of the things that perhaps uh 
we would like to see happen in 2015 to to get GH also back on track to being the the talk about show, the buzz about show that it has been for a couple of years now. It is interesting. I mean, I think more than any other show, GH has buzz. Um, you know, as much as as I may love The Young and the Restless, it's it's never it really has never been a show that was buzzed about. GH has been the show over the last couple of years that has really gotten the buzz. And that's probably in part because it's the, it, it survived, you know, when, when the other shows on that network didn't. And so, so it's really easy when the media is looking for a story to say, oh, here's a show that survived and is thriving in the aftermath of, you know, it's almost like when you prune back your garden and new flowers spring up. So, um, but, but GH, you know, is in pretty good shape. It's, it's an interesting show in that it's such a dichotomy, especially when compared to, like, The Bold and the Beautiful. You know, The Bold and the Beautiful is traditional soap opera, mm-hmm. 100% bedroom, boardroom, traditional soap opera. General Hospital is as far from traditional soap opera as you can get. I mean, you've got people ripping off their faces. You've got, you know, doppelgangers, and not your normal soap doppelgangers. Um, these are the, you know, the, the, the fluke story is definitely not your typical soap story about an evil twin, uh, you've, got, you've got kind of a, a bizarre world in which evil sort of triumphs. You know, you know the, the bad, bad sort of is good on General Hospital. Usually when you watch soaps or television in general, um, it, it's all about good triumphing over evil, but really evil triumphs most of the time in Port Charles these days. Well, that's actually... True. And for folks out there who are listening, I'm curious, tweet us and let us know, is that something that you like in your television shows? You know, we all know about the happy endings. We talked about Disney World earlier and it's, you know, happy places and magical places and, and fairy tales. And, you know, usually everything at the end is, is a happy ending. Do you like the fact that maybe sometimes bad things happen to good people? Tweet that, you know, at Kroll Call Show, at Dan J. Kroll, at soaps in depth abc at how rude are you many places tweet us all uh all the send it on the internet we'll find it <laughs> pretty much just hashtag dan and richard i don't know we'll find it but you know the it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, general hospital whereas the bold and beautiful does rely on traditional stories uh, you know days of our lives has longevity the young and the restless is number one for for three million years general hospital right now the thing that i think a lot of people would think when they think of GH is that they have a lot of stars. They have, and that's not to take anything away from the other three shows, it's to say that General Hospital is packing in as many names as they possibly can, and it's sort of like, uh, I feel like I'm going to the store and, you know, you go and reach for your box of cereal and it says, you know, now with 20% more raisins. General Hospital is 20% more raisins. It does, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, because one of the, the one of the problems that I hear about most often, and it's certainly, you know, it's something that I have a little bit of an issue with with the show as well, is there are so many characters on that show that sometimes they'll go disappearing for weeks at a time, you know? Um, it, it, and, and, and that sort of leads to the other problem that the show can have, which is because things go missing for so long, when they reappear, you have to have lots of exposition to, to remind you of where... Uh, where things stand with mm. this character who hasn't been on screen for a couple weeks. You know, like, uh, it, it was a couple weeks ago we saw, um, 
Nina being carted off to uh, Shady Brook, I believe it was, uh, or Burncliffe, I can never remember which. But, you know, we haven't really seen her since. And she is coming back, and she's going to have a huge story in a couple of weeks. But, but you know, there's so many big characters on the canvas that, that they... And there, there's just no way to write for all of them. But it's interesting so, that you say that, though, because one of the other issues that people would have in the past is that they had people would watch and say, OK, it's unrealistic. Someone would go to jail one day for you know murder, baby kidnapping, whatever the, the crime of the day is. And they would be out in two days because they wanted to feature that character nonstop. And people would say, hey, that's unrealistic. Well, now it's kind of funny. Now we're on the other side. And it turns out that there's a negative to that as well when you, you know, let people serve a legitimate amount of time. Well, it's interesting because, you know, what we're seeing right now is the, the half of Port Charles is in Pentonville, you know. <laughs> well, that's um, true. <laughs> and, and that number is going to grow in the coming days. And... Uh, it's one of the things people complain about on General Hospital a lot is, oh, nobody ever pays for their crimes. And you're right. Now we've got all these different characters paying for their crimes. But let's face it. If you don't think that in two months all of those characters are going to be out of jail, then, you know, uh, I'll eat my hat. <laughs> they, 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 obviously, they obviously are. You're not going to keep Sonny and Franco and Julian and Ava, and you know you're not going to keep all these people in jail. You're the, unless you're going to change the name of the show to Orange is the New Black, you're not going to keep those people in prison. I think so that name's taken. So right, well, the spinoff. So it becomes a little bit of a weird um, situation where, on the one hand, are you going to tell you know how do you get? They have to come up with a way of getting all of these people out of prison and back into. When you have one person in prison, it's easy. You know, you do the whole thing where they save the, the they save the life of the prison warden's daughter, and in turn they get pardoned. <laughs> but but you can't do that with like you know with, with when the entire population of Port Charles that they can't all save. I guess they could. They could do a reverse murder on the Orient <laughs> Express uh, and and sort of all save someone's life. But I don't well, know. It's, it'll be interesting to see because when I talked to Ron Carlovati. Uh, the head writer of the show for uh, our 2015 preview in the magazine, he said that 2014, the end of 2014, was really about giving people the payoffs they've been waiting for, you know, revealing the truth about, you know, who killed AJ, who killed Connie, all of this. And, uh, and that 2015, the beginning of 2015, would be sort of more about the road to redemption. How do you get these people, you know, back from the dark place they went to. So that's what we're seeing right now is how do we get people back into the mainstream and back into non-prison wear? Well, you said something, and then we'll move on to some other things before we have to wrap up. You mentioned Murder on the Orient Express, or a reverse version of that. Just hypothetically, you know, the show is so loaded with characters and so many. Do you think that the show could possibly benefit from, you know, a... a God forbid, a, a mass murder storyline or something. I mean, oh, a serial killer. Oh, without a doubt. Or, you know, have one really big, you know, we've been focused on this mob war for quite a while. Have one gigantic, you know, like, mole out of a mob war scene in which, like, you know, we get five people or something. Um, you know, or you could also just send people off the canvas. Um, I, I, it's, it's never... It's always hard to do because no matter how much you might not like a character, 
other people do. You know, um, it's the it's 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 the exact opposite of what I deal with when I talk about single couple shippers, where you know they're obsessed with a couple, but not everybody is obsessed with the couple you're obsessed with. Same thing applies to characters you hate. Not everybody hates the character you hate. So if suddenly you take five characters and decide to write them off, you know there's going to be a big part of the audience because each of those characters is going to have a fan base, and so there's going to be some you know sort of revolting in the streets. But at the same time you have to, at a certain point, you know, sort of call the cast because you can't keep adding and adding and adding and adding and not, you know, lose something on the other end. It's not feasible financially. It's not feasible from a storytelling point of view. So I do think that we're going to approach the tipping point soon if we keep adding more and more people. Well, let's, we have about a minute to talk about something that is soapy, but in a totally different way. It premiered earlier this week. It's Empire. It's on Fox. It's sort of a hip-hopra, they're calling it. Yeah, I got to say, seek this one out. I did not expect to like it. I had the pilot of it, uh, the, the pilot disc sitting on my desk for probably a month. And I finally, ironically, the day that it was going to air that night, or maybe the day before, I popped in and, and watched it. And it is a fantastic soap opera. It is. It combines the boardroom, the bedroom. It's got big personalities. It's got the most awesome character on a show this year, Cookie, who, by the way, I want to be addressed as Cookie from now on. Um, and she's one of those characters who, from the moment she comes on screen, you know she's going to have an impact, and then she does for the next 45 minutes. She goes around impacting everything. It's, it's really just it's dynasty, basically. It's really fantastic. And I know there's a certain portion of the audience that's going to look at it and be like, oh, this is an urban show or this is a black show and it's, you know, not something that's going to appeal to me. Forget it. Uh, you know, watch this. It's such good TV. Um, I'm, I'm so into it. I can't, I can't wait to see the next episode. Well, we will have all the details on CrollCall.com and also on Twitter at CrollCallShow. Cookie, tell us where they can find you if they're looking for you on social media. Throw a tweet out there and it's going to land on me somewhere. I'm at How Rude Are You. I'm at Soaps and Depth ABC, Soaps and Depth CBS. Mellow Mickey, if you want to talk about Disney um, or if you have questions about Disney, feel free to hit me up at Mellow Mickey. Um, you can also find me, you know, I, I occasionally write things on Cold Call. Um, and if you, in fact, if you want to talk Disney, I just posted something on the site, like I said, about things for adults to do at Disney. And leave me a comment there and I'll make sure to get it and I'll answer any questions you might have. That is all we have time for this week. But coming up in the next couple of weeks, January 30th is our Super Bowl show. We'll be talking talking about the ads we'll be talking about what you need to know about football if you have no idea what a touchdown is and of course we'll be talking about some snacks that you can make that's going to be a lot of fun and then the following week february 6th it's our grammys show we're going to be talking about some of the nominees we'll be playing a lot of music we'll have some insiders we'll find out maybe who people voted for that'll be a lot of fun of course we are always on listen to Kroll Call on demand at krollcall.com every show that we've ever done is there and you can also listen to some of the old Soap Central live episodes where more than 250 episodes 250 hours of me and a lot of Richard talking about our favorite soaps go and check them out there but for now we're out of time I'm Dan Kroll signing off on another edition of Kroll Call I hope that you'll be back with us next week. We reach